And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor-in-chief here at Sci-Fi For Me. 33-plus years in the media, which means I know how the sausage is made, and you don't want to know how the sausage is made, folks. I, I assure you. Uh, and as we get more information out about the Alec Baldwin situation, <clears throat> it's even more uh, it's even more concerning about uh, some of the stuff that's been going on there. The amount of irresponsibility, if these stories are true, should uh, should make certain that these people never work in the industry again because the mistakes that were made if these if these stories turn out to be accurate uh, we're hearing that they were out doing some target practice called plinking shooting at tin cans with this same gun <sighs> there's so many different things wrong with that I won't even start with that because that's not today's to- topic we're going to get into the Batwoman drama today. We are broadcasting live to uh, Odyssey and Facebook and YouTube. <clears throat> so if you're with us live, you can join the chat. You can leave a comment. If you are not live with us, if you're uh, watching this on replay, you can still leave a comment or you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And if you are on this show as a listener, if you're listening to this as a podcast, we've got a number of uh, platforms where you can find us there. And uh, we do invite you to uh, find us on all the socials and sign up for our newsletter. You can do that over at sci-fi4me.com. Uh, we will be posting an article with the winners of the Ringo Awards. Uh, that was uh, that was done this weekend, the Baltimore Comic Con. They had the show Saturday night, did a live stream, and uh, announced the the Mike Waringo Comic Industry Awards. Uh, so we've got a press release on that. We'll be putting an article together on that. Comics are a thing, and we try to we try to cover that as much as we cover everything else. Sometimes uh, it, there's balance still has to be struck, but uh, eventually, eventually we kind of get around to everything. We have posted uh, uh, information from DC Fandom, uh, so you can check out that. And tonight, I know we ran the promo for H2O Podcast. It says Monday. This week, we're doing a special Tuesday edition because I was late seeing Dune. And Mr. Harvey and I are going to be talking about Dune. It's very impressive, by the way. You should go see it. Um, <clears throat> so there is that. Uh, yeah, Ms., Mrs. Boss in the chat there with... I do, th- I do think I have a little bit of a frog in my throat. I'm not sure why. My voice is a little different, she says. 
it doesn't sound normal. All right, Mrs. Boss says that my voice doesn't sound normal. It sounds like me to me. So, I don't know. Anyway. All right, so on on Saturday during Good Morning Multiverse, I mentioned that we we were monitoring Oh, 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 I forgot before I get to it. It is National Pumpkin Day. So, I guess I need to give Mrs. Boss something because, you know, nine o'clock she turns into a pumpkin. So I'll I'll have to I'll have to make a note while I'm out today. So the Batwoman drama, I, I mentioned on Saturday that we were monitoring this, and I fully expected another shoe to drop, and it does appear that that has happened. And I don't think that we've that we've gotten to the end of this rope yet. I don't think that uh, we're going to get to the end of this rope for a while, because there's a lot of he said, she said, they said, they said back, and he said back, and counter said, and all of this. So accusations are flying back and forth. Allegations are out there now in the in the general public to be discussed and cussed and, and dissected and analyzed and stuff. And we have <clears throat> a lot of cl- conflicting stories, like we will in these situations. But the question that comes up for me, is Ruby Rose another Ray Fisher? And it... I don't want to characterize this in terms of any particular one thing. Um, Ray Fisher made it about race uh, more than anything else. And I, I don't see that Ruby Rose is doing that here, making it about... Uh, sexual orientation or anything like that. And that that actually has not entered into this particular drama as of yet, which I think is really interesting because if you are if if you've been paying attention, there are a lot of a lot of people who will make their grievances public if they start deciding to air dirty laundry. Identity politics generally, not all the time, but generally will enter into the mix. And it has not, as far as I've seen, it has not in this Batwoman issue, incident, circumstance, whatever. So Ruby Rose, uh, for those of you who have not seen Batwoman, which is pretty much the majority of everybody on the planet, Batwoman is a television show set in the DC Arrowverse over there on the CW, and you have uh, Arrow, Supergirl, The Flash, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, um, Batwoman. What am I missing? What am I? What am I forgetting? Am I forgetting one? Star Girl. Star Girl is kind of a late entry to the to the mix, but yeah, all of those shows are generally connected. And Ruby Rose was cast as Batwoman, Kate Kane, which is based on a character from DC Comics, and relatively popular, I guess, the character anyway. And first season came, and uh, there were several accidents on set. There were several incidents uh, where people got, got, uh, got injured, and uh, Ruby Rose 
suffered an injury and had to undergo uh, surgery and has now come out both barrels blasting saying, I didn't quit the show. I got fired from the show because after the first season, Ruby Rose departed Batwoman. So your lead actor, actress, lead performer leaves the show. So now Batwoman doesn't have a Batwoman because Ruby Rose left. And at the time, you know, we heard a little bit about, you know, people being difficult. Ruby Rose was kind of difficult and not, not easy to work with and petulant and late and, and all of these different things. And, and, you know, it's rumors. We, we don't listen to rumors. We don't pay attention to that much. I mean, peripherally, yeah, we'll take a look and, and eyeball it and be aware of it. But we're not going to be in that gossip-mongering crowd. Oh, did you hear the latest about Batwoman? Nobody watched Batwoman. Batwoman's ratings are abysmal. I I don't think that they're even at 300,000 viewers. <clears throat> and when the, the series got picked up for a third season... There were a lot of us that were sitting there wondering why. And I, we still wonder why. But there is a theory, and I, and I subscribe to this theory to a certain extent. Batwoman does not exist for the ratings. Batwoman exists because people talk about it on social media. People talk about the stunning and brave non-heterosexual lead character and the non-heterosexual lead performer who plays that character. And in this case, now you have Javicia, uh, Javicia Leslie, I think is her name. Is that, is that what it is? Uh, who is the second Batwoman. And... This is one of those shows where if you're playing a character of a particular identity group, then you must also belong to that particular identity group. So, Batwoman being a lesbian, uh, we've had now two performers, two bisexual performers, playing this character. And of course, nowadays, you know, it's, it's... it's hip to be by, I guess. I don't know because you've got now uh, uh, Tim Drake and Jonathan Kent uh, both out of the closet, as it were, over in the pages of DC Comics. And and really, I don't think I don't think either of those characters now having been identified as bisexual, you are not going to see them in relationships with girls. Because it's a shorthand, and, and it's a cover. And they say, oh yeah, the, you know, he's bisexual. Okay, we'll let him date a girl. Oh no, that, that, we're not going to do that. I mean, it's, a, it's camouflage for making these people, making these characters, homosexual. Okay, fine, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. If that's the kind of story you want to tell, fine. If it's an interesting story, then 
okay, maybe we give you the benefit of the doubt. But if you're doing it just for the sake of doing it, then you're pandering. And you're following a social agenda that has nothing to do with the story agenda. And I see this a lot lately where if your lead character in your story is a person of color, well, only people of color can write those stories. It's a, it's a segregation mindset that doesn't make any sense to me. I, well, let me, let me backtrack on that. It does make sense to me when I consider some of the people who hold those viewpoints and want to segregate based on race based on gender, based on sexual orientation. <clears throat> but anyway, you've got this character, Batwoman, who's a lesbian. You've got uh, the, char- the, actors, uh, the actresses who play Batwoman. And Ruby Rose leaves after the first season. And a few weeks ago made allegations that the, the, the production was full of strife and pressure and unsafe working conditions and and all of these things. So we're going to start there and then we're going to progress through because it starts to get a little complicated as these things do. Uh, We're going to start here at New York Post. This is October 20th and, and so we're not even a week out from some of this stuff. So Ruby Rose takes to Instagram and starts posting a number of different things in a thread, uh, leveling these allegations against the show, against uh, co-stars, against studio executives. And so here we go. This is New York Post. Ruby Rose is going to bat against the CW and Warner Brothers TV, claiming the executives virtually forced her Batwoman exit by requiring her to return to work just days after undergoing major surgery, as well as allegedly refusing responsibility for severe onset injuries and creating a toxic work environment. Uh, quote, Dear fans, stop asking if I will return to that awful show, said Rose, 35, in her scathing Instagram story rebuke of the network and its big wigs Tuesday night. Quote, I wouldn't return for any amount of money, nor if a gun were to my head, unquote. The Australian actress kicked off her cyber spanking with former CW president Peter Roth, accusing the 71-year-old of, quote, making young women steam your pants around your crotch, Okay, while well, you're still wearing said pants. This is, this is, these are allegations. <clears throat> we don't have anything in the way of proof, at least not yet, for some of these allegations. So remember, this is, this is one person saying things about another person, which may or may not be true. So keep that in mind, because it's important here. Uh, Roth announced his departure from the network after 22 years of service in October 2020. No reason was given for his departure, but Warner Media noted he was, quote, well-respected by his colleagues and competitors, actors, writers, directors, and producers, end quote. Now, I must need to point out here that Harvey Weinstein was 
quote-unquote, well-respected by his colleagues and peers for a number of years while he was doing what apparently he's been doing for all of the time. I'm just saying, not to cast aspersions on Peter Roth, what I'm saying is that spin control happens. And as Cameron Pasha has pointed out on various different threads and, and, and discussions about this, the Hollywood political state, there are a lot of people who believe certain things that they will not ever, ever say openly because they fear for their jobs. So if you say that Peter Roth was well-respected in the industry, that may very well be. But it might also not be. Because Hollywood is all about making things up. Remember that. PR and spin. <clears throat> All right, continuing from the New York Post. She also blasted Roth for allegedly insisting she resume filming of the series just 10 days after surgery for an injury she suffered on the set. Quote, imagine going back to work 10 days after this, Rose lamented in the closed caption of footage from her operation. Now, she had a spinal injury. She ended up having, I believe, two vertebra that had to be fused together because a stunt went wrong. And she was severely injured. And I can understand not wanting to come back to work until you're fully healed and ready to go. And granted, you've got stunt people who can do some of, this, some of the heavy lifting on some of this stuff, especially on the action pieces. But at the same time, you want to make sure that where you work is safe. And this is not the first time that we've had injuries on the set. Uh, there, there's, there's somebody else, I believe, now is, is paralyzed because of an injury. Um, he's a PA or, a, or, a, or a, a stunt person who was hit with a crane and is now paralyzed, if I remember that right. I do know that there, were, there have been accidents on this set since the beginning of the, since, since the first season. <coughs> okay. Uh, from the article, Warner Brothers TV has responded to Rose's rant with the following statement received by the Post, which confirms that she was fired, but disputes claims that the dismissal was not justified. Quote, despite the revisionist history that Ruby Rose is now sharing online aimed at the producers, the cast and crew, the network and the studio, the truth is that Warner Brothers Television had decided not to exercise its option to engage Ruby for Season 2 of Batwoman based on multiple complaints about workplace behavior that were extensively reviewed and handled privately out of respect for all concerned. Okay. It's typ it's, it's typical boilerplate, you know, when, you know this, is, this is along the lines of difference of creative opinions when, when people... Let, are let go, you know, when the studios fire a director. Same kind of boilerplate legalese kind of thing. Um, so, basically going through and blasts Doug Ray Scott by name, blasts Carolyn Dries, the showrunner, by name, says Dries has no heart 
and wanted us to finish the season throughout the pandemic, and I told her it was a bad idea, Rose claimed. I told her everyone was too distracted, Matt constantly checking COVID updates, checking on friends, and seeing Riverdale, The Flash, and Supergirl shut down already. Um, Matt, I guess, is a producer. Uh, Rose also shames Dries for allegedly denying that she sustained her injuries on set, claiming it happened during yoga. Um, okay. There was, there was a lot of this back and forth. Now, Warner Brothers comes out. Now, Doug Ray Scott, the specific, the specific allegation against him was that he was abusive toward various different members of the crew. And cast, I guess. And, of course, the studio comes out and defends defends Doug Ray Scott. And he's actually come out and said, none, none of this has happened. It's a lie. This is defamation. I, I never done any of this. Uh, accused him of abusing women on the show. The studio is insisting she was fired following multiple complaints about her own behavior. Uh, Rose posted, Doug Ray heard a female stunt double. He yelled like a little bee at women and was a nightmare. He left when he wanted and arrived when he wanted. He abused women and in turn, as a lead of the show, I sent an email asking for a no yelling policy and they declined. Uh, okay. See, this is all, so far, this is all very subjective because... Ruby Rose has her version of events. And everybody else is coming back saying, well, you know, she's a liar. Doug Ray Scott says she's a liar. Cameras Johnson says she's a liar. Uh, this is the guy who plays Luke Fox on the show, her co-star. Um, <clears throat> uh, this is from MSN. Though those were the most serious accusations, Rose also called out Johnson by name, saying he criticized them for being late to set after leaving the hospital one day. Rose referred to Johnson as an egomaniac kid who worked one day a week. In a follow-up tweet, Johnson acknowledged the confusion surrounding Rose's accusations, but assured fans there are great souls working on the show. Quote, since it was claimed she walked away last year, I'm sure some of you may be pretty confused or upset, and even more so that a lot of lies were spread today. Just know we have a lot of great souls working on this show, and none of this changes that from the top to the bottom. Now, he says that there are lies that were spread today, and, and, and you can infer that he's talking about what Ruby Rose has posted, although he doesn't specifically say Ruby Rose is lying. And then he deflects and says, hey, there's still really good people working on the show. That doesn't address the question of whether or not working conditions on the show are safe or not. It's kind of a, yeah, people said this, but look at this pretty thing over here. It feels like, it, that feels like a deflection of sorts to me. And then we get the next round of things because Warner Brothers has come out and you know they've they've said their piece and then was it yesterday or the day before remember I said this was two days ago remember I said there was another shoe that was about to drop and one shoe has dropped I think there's another shoe maybe waiting but one shoe has dropped Ruby Rose has released emails 
um, and text messages. And it, it sort of kind of supports pieces of her story, although it doesn't really get detailed enough to really give you a sense of one way or the other because a lot of these a lot of these messages are things that she sent to various executives and representatives and and whatnot you don't get the other side of it from everything but in one particular case you have what she calls pressure from the studio to do an entertainment weekly cover shoot just a couple of days after her surgery and part of this surgery involved putting, uh, there was a, she's got scar, uh, a, a pretty significant scar on her throat now. And superhero show being a superhero show, there's lots of fog and, you know, atmospheric effects and whatnot. And the nature of this scar was such that it, it made her a little bit more sensitive to the chemicals in the fog. And she's like, can we have some kind of a, you know, there's a device to measure, you know, the amount of toxins in the air. Can we measure this and make sure that we've got it down to a certain level because I can't breathe? That doesn't sound difficult to me. That doesn't sound like she's being unreasonable that says, hey, I have a safety concern. Can we address it? Now, I've also seen accusations going the other way that Ruby Rose is one of those stars who shows up when she wants and leaves when she wants and is a difficult lead performer, star, full of herself. Um, I think somebody, and I, I, I wasn't able to track it back down because everything just kind of comes and goes on, on social media but somebody who claims to have been a production assistant on the set while she was there was treated essentially like uh, a servant lapdog and you know you're beneath my you're beneath my concern you're beneath my uh, my my need to notice you and and you're just expected to to go around and clean up after her again it's it's one of these where as we get through this, a lot of accusations are going to go flying back and forth. The same as what we saw with Ray Fisher versus Warner Brothers and Walter Hamada and Jeff Johns and, and all of that. So it has me wondering, because, you know, you, you can see some of the screen captures and all of these different things uh, that she's posted... But it doesn't necessarily prove one way or the other on all of those accusations. This is, you know, a lot of this where it says sent from my bat phone. This is her sending notes to various different people, asking questions, complaining about things, expressing some concerns about some different things. But right here, here's a text message from between her and Cameras Johnson. And she says they wanted me to shoot two covers this week, but there was just not a chance I could get into that suit and not absolutely crash. So hopefully it'll all work out. And you can see this this pretty significant scarring on her throat is not healed yet. And Cameras Johnson is 
I was reading the covers part and I went, oh, nah, so loud. I'm glad you turned them down for now. That crap would have sucked exactly right. Heal up the right way and you'll be back to playing in no time. Dope. It seems like he's on her side here agreeing with her that, you know, you're just out of surgery and they're expecting her to put on the suit for these photo for these photos for Entertainment Weekly. And apparently, according to these emails that she's posted, uh, there was pressure for her to show up and do the shoot in her uh, in her costume because everybody else in the Arrowverse, uh, all of the lead characters and whatnot that were part of this photo shoot, should be uh, where they were in their costumes as well. And so there was pressure for her to do the same thing. And the, and it seems like the story kept changing. No, you won't have to be in the suit. Yes, we want you in the suit, but you don't have to wear the cowl. Yes, now they want you in the full the full costume. So it's, it's one of those things where as things continue to roll out, it gets a little bit confusing as to who might be telling the truth here. Because I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Sci-Fi Snobs is showing up when he wants, being late, canceling shows. Sounds like Jason. I have reasons. I have reasons for doing what I do. But see, that does raise an interesting point because as as the editor-in-chief and as the producer of the shows here, I do have a certain amount of latitude when I make a decision whether a show is going to be delayed or we're going to postpone or I have to be someplace else. And, you know, dealing with day job stuff, sometimes I get called away. But since I'm the boss-ish, quote-unquote, I have a little bit more latitude and control whereas in this particular case just to bring it bring it home here by comparison ruby rose is not the boss on batwoman technically carolyn dryce is although carolyn dryce also has to answer to a boss she's got to answer to greg berlanti and andrew kreisberg and and uh, uh mark guggenheim whoever else is on there sarah Skechter. And going higher up, you know, Peter Roth at Warner Brothers or Warner Media, you have to answer to, uh, who's the CW president? Mark Pedowitz is in that chain of command as well. So there are ultimately, there are lots of bosses in all of this. And I would imagine that Peter Roth is higher up on the food chain the totem pole than, than even Mark Pedowitz. So Ruby Rose is not the boss and should not be allowed and i've seen some comments about her going out and partying and doing drugs and the days after that is when she shows up six to eight hours late on set all of this completely undocumented at this point because we don't have the receipts as it were we don't have uh, accurate documentation for a lot of this so it's going to be it's going to come down to who's got the most paperwork proof to back up their accusations because if ruby rose showed up on late on set that's going to be reflected in the the production reports if she's difficult if she's corresponding with producers and actors and executives saying you know, I, I want this, I demand this, I need this, I'd like this, I have a concern about this, then there should be 
a record of that, there should be an email paper trail documenting the correspondence from both sides. And at some point, maybe, we might get a little bit more in the way of information one way or the other. And whoever's got it to prove their position, they should probably think about producing those documents because this is, a, this is another PR headache for Warner Brothers. And it comes right in the middle of the the uh, the acquisition the merger with discovery and so that could have a little bit of an impact maybe maybe not probably not but it could you never know um and we'll talk about that and some other stuff uh, when we get back live from the bunker continues right after this this is sci-fi for me radio Be sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our channels so you don't miss our next broadcast. Sci-Fi For Me is about to take you on an incredible journey into the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. Conventions and fandom. Previews and reviews of movies and television. Sci-Fi For Me is working to be the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Subscribe now and enter the fantastic world of Sci-Fi For Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Hi everyone, it's McKenna Talley from Salacious Crumbs. Just a quick reminder for all the latest Star Wars news and rumor, be sure to check out our show Salacious Crumbs right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV, Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 Central. All right, back live from the bunker. Jason Hutt here along with you. If you're here live, I see Sci-Fi Snob in the chat. And he makes the point, if only she had done the photo shoot, the show wouldn't have sucked. Let's talk about that for a second because uh, there are... Not a whole lot of people who have been watching Batwoman even to begin with. So let's uh, let's look at this here for a second because there are numbers. So let's look at numbers here for a second. This is season three. This is TVSeriesFinale.com. They track a lot of this. Now we've had just a couple of... Uh, a couple of episodes of the season that have come out now, season uh, season three, uh, Dece- uh, excuse me, October 13th and October 20th. <clears throat> These are the ratings. <clears throat> now, I need to point out also, hello, Robert. Uh, you are not too late. You're here. We're halfway through the live show, so you're good. Um, Stop says, big lag now I'm five minutes behind. Uh, okay, there... There's a thing, and I don't know what it is, why this why this does this. But if you look at at your at your player, whether you're on YouTube or, or Odyssey, 
down in the corner in your controls, there should be a little thing that says live and a little red dot. If the red dot is not on, then you're behind. You, but you can click on that live and skip forward to catch up with us live. So just a little bit of inside baseball there. All right, so this is uh, ratings for uh, the first two episodes of season three of Batwoman. Uh, see, uh, the first episode, uh, in the 18 to 49 demographic, which is the, the sweet spot for everybody who we want these people because they spend the money. <clears throat> a point zero eight, a demographic change of minus 46.67%. That means a loss, a loss of that much. Viewers in the millions, 0.469. Viewers changed minus 28.83%. So basically what this says is 469,000 people watched this episode. 469,000 people. That's it. Episode 2, not much better. 487,000 people watched this episode. That's it. Now, if you go back and look at other ratings for Batwoman, let me see if I can uh, if I can find season two ratings. I don't know that I'm going to find that easily. Let's see if I can. Let's just change that and see what season two ratings look like. All right, so here's season two ratings. And if you go through and look at the season two, 659,000, 621,000. At the, at the lowest, we've got 346 here. 346,000 on May 16th. This is, this is ter these are terrible numbers. These are absolutely terrible numbers. And, and no reason why... Batwoman should get any kind of season renewal. But you also have to consider that it's the CW, and the CW does not have the same ratings threshold that other, uh, other networks would have because the CW doesn't exactly uh, match in terms of total audience size that something like a CBS or NBC or ABC would catch. Because if you remember, Supergirl started the first season on CBS. And the, the, the numbers for Supergirl on CBS were bad for CBS, but they were great for the CW. So it's all a matter of, you know, relativity in terms of position and where the show is on the network, which network it's on. Um, I see I see Mazerus joins us in chat. Good to see you there, sir. Uh, Robert says, Ruby Rose is smoking hot. I guess hot enough to be a total B. Me? I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, she's attractive. But, in the end, you got to be able to carry the part. And... There are times when a performance can elevate the script, even if it's a lousy script, but those moments are rare. 
And usually it's the other way around. Even if you have a, a halfway decent, halfway lame performer, if the script is strong enough and you have a good enough director who can pull that performance up just a little bit, then you, you ought to be able to do okay with it. But if the script is bad to begin with, nothing's going to help it. Not, not great acting, not hot performers, great costumes, lots of CGI and explosions. It's not going to matter if the script is crap. This is the first season... And it started off pretty strong. 1.8 million on the very first episode of the show. And as you see here, it starts to decline all the way through. By the time we get to the last episode of the season, the season finale for season one, 739,000 people. And the jump back to season two, those 739,000 dropped to 659,000 for season two premiere, which means you lost people over the, over the summer or over the break and never got them back because Batwoman is crap. It's not, it's not a great show. And I think you, you, you see um, as over at uh, Heel vs. Babyface, as has been watching this show and reviewing every episode, and he hates it. He absolutely hates the show. And all of his reviews are basically, you know, finding new ways to bag on the show because it's that terrible. And nobody that I have come across feels that this show is justified in getting a third season or even a fourth season because I guess maybe we're getting a we're we're possibly getting a fourth season but these numbers here tell me that it's not about the ratings for this show it's not about how many people are watching because again we've dropped from the end of season two, 413,000 people, and now season three, it's 469,487,000. So it's a, it's a little bit better, but you're not going to justify keeping a show in production if nobody's watching it, at least according to the numbers, unless the numbers don't matter. And if the numbers don't matter, then it begs the question, what is it that does matter when it comes to Batwoman? And what, what metrics is the CW using to decide, yes, we're going to keep this show in production. We're going to continue to put money into this show, even though nobody's watching it. So what is it? that the CW is paying attention to. And the only thing that I can think of is the social media buzz. Now, it's entirely possible, although I don't think it's likely, it's entirely possible that there are people watching this show on the CW's website or through the CW's app and those numbers could be phenomenal, for all we know. 
We don't know that. Because as as with a lot of other things with the streaming services, we never we never get reports on how many people are actually watching the various different shows that are streaming. The ratings are a completely different thing. There's a, there's a different a different method of measure over there. And all of that data is internal, and nobody ever releases that stuff. We don't know how many people watch Netflix, any particular shows, unless Netflix says, hey, we had 600,000 people show. We had one and a half million people watch this. There's nothing objective. There's no, there's no site that's objectively reporting the numbers like you'd get with Nielsen. And Nielsen numbers are even not not accurate either. I've talked about that before because Nielsen numbers just depend on whoever fills out the Nielsen books, the surveys, the the questionnaires, or if they've got that little set-top box that that monitors and, and records whatever it is that you watch for however long you watch it. It's not accurate, but it's the best that they've been able to come up with, which doesn't doesn't mean a whole lot nowadays because so many people are watching things online or they're watching on their mobile devices. Where are those numbers? It's entirely possible. I'm going to allow for the possibility that Batwoman is a phenomenal hit online. I don't believe it, but I can allow for the possibility and maybe that's why the CW keeps it in production is because it draws people to the CW's website. That's the only reason that I can think to justify keeping this show in production. MS in the chat, hello. I never watched the show. I watched four seasons of The Flash, but when a show is on CW, I already know it's going to be too tweeny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert says, I'm surprised viewing stats don't leak. Advertisers must get credible viewer stats to price their ads, I would think. Yes. Uh, and that raises another point. Because uh, you're right. Advertisers do rely on numbers to justify where their ad dollars are being spent. Advertising agencies. Oh, the stories I could tell. Um, one of these days I might. Uh, actually tell a few stories. But advertising agencies are notorious for this because they will uh, they will um, negotiate and bicker and use every little thing that they can come up with to spend less to get more from a particular TV station or a network. And basically what it is... <clears throat> all right, a little, a little inside baseball here. Basically what you're looking at, uh, every reporting season, let's say every quarter, every every, you know, rating season back in the day, you'd have the book. The book would come out and the book is a report, and I guess it would be Nielsen in this particular case. The book would report for every day part, for every channel throughout that reporting season what the ratings were for those particular hours in that particular day on that particular channel. And it's localized. So, for instance, in, in the case of Kansas City, you'd have the cha you'd have Channel Nine, which is the ABC affiliate. You'd have Channel Twenty Three or uh, Twenty Nine, which is the the CW. You have Fox Four. You have KC, uh, KCTV Five. 
uh, NBC 41. So all of the different channels, but they're all local, the, the local channel, not, not a network thing. It's how do these channels, whether they're network affiliates or independents, how do they perform on those, on those day parts in those days? And based on those numbers, the sales department comes in and says, hey, our news, our 10 o'clock news was number one for the entire quarter. And because our news is number one, that means more people are watching our show than they're watching the other guys, which means we've got more eyeballs to attract, which means you have more people that would see your message if you're an advertiser. And so now you can pay a premium and your, the rates go up in those day parts where you're number one. Hey, we're number one at noon. We're number one at five. We're number one at 10. Our morning show is the, is got the best numbers in town. And you can bump your sales numbers up. Now, the advertising agencies also use those reports to sit there and say, well, your, your station came in third. So why should I spend X amount of dollars? I want to spend Z amount of dollars and get the same number of spots. Or a station would sit there and say, oh, okay, we're number three. So here we'll give you a deal where you give us this much money and we'll put you in this many, this many spots. Plus we'll throw in a couple of extra freebies just someplace else throughout the, the, the run of the, the run of the day parts. All of this negotiation is based on that book. And advertisers at the national level look at those, look at similar types of reports as it comes in for networks. How are the networks performing? How are the shows doing in prime time? And the advertising agencies that handle national accounts, like Johnson and Johnson, for example, or or uh, Kellogg's or uh, Nabisco or Eminem Mars or any of those, they're looking at the national reports. How are these networks performing? How are the cable networks performing? How are the streaming services doing? So they're always looking at those kind of reports to decide how much can I justify spending on Discovery Channel versus TLC? How much do I want to spend on HGTV as opposed to Cartoon Network, depending on you. And a lot of that depends on who your audience is, who's the primary target market, and all of these different things that factor into this. Well, for Batwoman, it's kind of a little unclear who the target market is, because yes, they say 18 to 49 is that sweet spot demographic. But are they looking for 18 to 49 males, 18 to 49 females, 18 to 49 adults? Because those are three different categories. And because you have those separations, that determines what kind of messaging you're going to put out. And it determines what kind of commercials are going to run during that show. Because it performs, if it performs better among 18 to 49 females then you're going to get commercials for Nair or Tampax or uh, Tide Detergent or what's a, what's a Old Navy, maybe. 
if you're skewing towards 18 to 49 guys, you're going to get beer commercials and shaving products and, and maybe the little blue pill and who knows. The advertising becomes skewed toward whoever that show is performing with better. And if the CW has determined that their online stuff, because I'm I, when we whenever I watch anything online, Superman and Lois, for example, we watch through the CW's app, and a majority of the advertising that's in the Superman and Lois online stream is aimed at women. Most of the time. You'll get the occasional ad for something like Buffalo Wild Wings or something sports-related, but for the most part, by and large, the advertising in Superman and Lois is aimed toward women. Now, I remember when, when, when the CW was first a thing, one of the things that they were surprised about was the fact that Older women were attracted to the network as well. This is back in the days of, uh, oh, what's the, shoot, what was the, what was the show with uh, Vanderbeek? Dawson's Creek. Yeah, so this is back Dawson's Creek, the original Charmed. Um, uh, what? The Pastor Family. The Pastor Family. Heaven. Uh, Gilmore Girls, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> Felicity. And the network was generally aimed at a, the 18 to 25 female demographic more than anything else. Gossip Girl and that sort of thing. And one of the, one of the surprises early on was the fact that you had women in the 45 to 54, 54 to 65 type of demographics also watching these shows, also responding to this network. And they figured out <coughs> what they're running into is that women are watching the show with their moms. And so for a long while, you had all of this programming that was skewed toward both the 18 to 25 demographic and the 40, the 49 and up graphic uh, demographic. Because, <coughs> excuse me, because it was bonding time, mother-daughter bonding time. Let's watch the CW. Now, eventually, they figured out, well, we've got we to somehow get the guys. And, of course, you had Supernatural in there all this, all this time. But the girls are watching Supernatural because the guys are hot, right? It wasn't about, it wasn't about the ghosts. It wasn't about the demons. It was about Dean and Sam being hot. And they got a cool car. Well, the cool car appeals to the boys, the men. And so now we've got to figure out how do we how do we broaden our audience? How do we broaden our scope and bring the men in? And that's when they started programming superhero shows. We got Arrow and then we got The Flash. And then all of this blossomed out. Well, Batwoman is an extension of that, is an outgrowth of that. But nobody's watching it. <coughs> Unless, and again, I'm going to sit there and say, I, I, it could very well be that Batwoman is doing gangbusters online. 
if it is, you would think the network would sit there and say, hey, we've got millions of people watching it online. But they haven't. Not, not as far as I know. So it continues to remain a mystery as to why Batwoman is still on the air because it shouldn't be. By all logic and reason and everything that we could possibly measure by, this show should not have survived past the first season. And it has. Which means they're looking at something besides ratings. Now, if they're looking at social media buzz... And this whole thing continues to percolate online, this Ruby Rose versus everybody type of thing. Ruby Rose versus Doug Ray Scott, Ruby Rose versus Warner Brothers Television, Ruby Rose versus Carolyn Dries. All of this drama keeps churning and churning and churning. What does that do to the online performance? What does that do to the social media buzz of this show? Does it do enough damage, does it do enough harm that it becomes a concern for the studio and Warner Media? Because going into the deal with Discovery, you want to make sure that you don't have a lot of drama going on in the background. And that's one of the things when they were talking about all of this stuff going on with the accusations against Joss Whedon, the stuff with Zack Snyder, the whole Snyder cut thing versus the, the Whedon cut, and uh, you know Ray Fisher against Walter Hamada, all of this other stuff. There was a lot of discussion of how it would affect the deal between Warner Media and Discovery. And this has the potential to do something similar, maybe not necessarily on the same scale, because, again, nobody's watching Batwoman. But if it gains traction online in the social media because your lead character is gay and being played by a bisexual woman of color, so people are going to be automatically invested simply because of the identity politics of it, if it gets to a point where it boils over into the public consciousness... Now remember, right now it's just in this small group that pays attention to this kind of thing. But if it boils over, I mean, it's already been covered. MSN and Fox and CNN, they've all started doing stories on it. So people outside of the niche are going to start seeing stories about this. They're going to start seeing news coverage on this. Some of them are going to wonder about it. Not everybody. But what does that do to the Discovery deal because the Discovery deal isn't gone through yet. It's not a done deal. It's not a, it's not a finished thing. It's still got to go through federal approvals and all that other mess. What happens if one of them pulls out of that arrangement? Because this is another PR mess for Warner Media. <clears throat> and it comes right at a time when Dune is out and is performing very well in the box office. And there are questions now about, well, are we going to get part two? Are we going to get Dune part two? Are we going to get that second movie? And that hasn't been officially announced yet, as far as I'm aware. 
And we're going to be talking about that tonight on a special Tuesday edition of the H2O podcast. We're going to be discussing Dune, and there will probably be spoilers because we've both seen it. So I don't know. I still feel like there's another shoe. It's 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 cranking up on the crane and being ready being it's it's almost ready to drop. We'll see. Another day in the life, right? All right, coming up tomorrow on this program on the 27th, actress Brink Stevens will be our guest here on the show. And uh, she'll be talking about all of the different things. She's had a number of projects that she shot over the last couple of years. Oh, uh-oh, oh Mrs. Boss is about to give me her two cents, yes? I was just letting you know that Dune, the second movie, has been greenlit for a 2023 theatrical release. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Dune number two. You've heard it here. You heard it here first. Breaking news, right? <coughs> Thank you, Mindy. All right, so that's going to do it for us. Uh, 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 bring Stevens tomorrow. We're going to talk about her career and uh, the stuff that she's been shooting during the pandemic lockdown. She has been very, very, very busy. Uh, so we'll be talking about that tomorrow here, 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central. If you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe. Have your notifications turned on. Sign up for our newsletter and uh, join us on all the socials. We're on we're on the main socials that matter, and then we're on all of those alternative socials, the terrible, terrible, terrible people use. And uh, so you can find us over there as well. And in the meantime, I am going to uh, go drink some hot tea or, or coffee or something, and I'm going to contemplate a career in ASMR. Tomorrow, <laughs> back... Uh, in the meantime, uh, remember there are four lights. Bye. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.